So last night, Blake was shooting Nerf gun bullets at me from across the room. Of course. It's romantic. And I was like, <laughs> we're such a romantic <laughs> couple. I was like, don't get my good eye, not my good eye. Because <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, I don't want two bad eyes now. No, that's true. So what happened to the bad eye? Okay, we're at a party. Yes, we Every- were. <laughs> we were all there. Yeah, we're all there. Um, listeners as well. Hey, guys. Um, so we were at this party and it was, how do you describe it? Like a winery tour party in one house. Yeah, it was a really COVID cool, safe. really cool idea. Our good friend Beck organized to have kind of like a wine tour in her house. And everyone had their own station set up and they kind of, it kind of turned into like this around the world thing. I mean, obviously this was going to end in a very drunk night because yeah. it's safe to say. <laughs> it started so, off with me dressing up as Jacinda Ardern. <laughs> Which you would oh exactly God. like, We need to upload a photo of you dressed as Jacinda yeah. Ardern. But lots of different uh, nations represented. Yeah. Lots of different types of alcohol. Lots of alcohol mm-hmm. as a general statement. And as the night progressed, the D floor opened up mm-hmm. and we started boogieing and then... It was brought to some people at the party's attention that I do know the WAP dance. The WAP oh, yes. Dance. You're very familiar with the WAP. So I offered my services of teaching everyone the WAP dance. Mm-hmm. Services indeed. So there was like, how many people, like 10? No, there would have been about 15. Okay. My <laughs> wrist is still healing from where I scratched it, <laughs> attempting it. So everyone was attempting it. Obviously, as dance captain, I took my job very seriously, yes. as Beyonce's dance captain Ashley does as well. And I did the WAP as hard as I could. To the point where the next morning I woke up and you guys were like, wow, your eyes really red. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. So I was like, <laughs> oh, well, probably nothing. I get allergies all the time. And progressively through the week, um, I maintain its red color. So I went to the doctor and he said, oh, you've burst a blood vessel in your eye. Have you been jumping on a trampoline? I was like, man, I'm a 27-year-old. Why would I be jumping on a trampoline? If I had one, yes, but I don't. Oh. Yeah. And he's like, can you think of any other reason you may have got a burst blood vessel in your eye? And he's like, any other reason? <laughs> There's a more than the <laughs> To the way, uh, Jumping on up. D. <laughs> and basically what had happened was... When I was doing the WAP dance, I threw my head back quite aggressively in the part where you're meant to. May I just add for theatrical dramatics? <laughs> it was dramatics. magnificent. Thank you. And I burst a blood vessel in my eye doing the WAP dance. It's too good. It's honestly just too good. No, I love you so much. I love your commitment. <laughs> and yeah. that's all I'm going to say. another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women from history that you should know about. I'm Lucy. I'm Erin. And I'm Talissa. The woman I've chosen this week is huge. Mm -hmm. I thought I could get it all done in a short amount of time. I needed more time because she's done that many things. So strap in. It's going to be awesome. But before I get started, I just want to give a little shout out to my little sister who graduated high school this week. Kiara. Kiara. Yas queen. She's amazing. She has this like awesome mentality of you can be cold wet or miserable or just cold and wet oh i know i, I want to grow up when i grow up i want to be i want to be her too oh. at her graduation yesterday she was presented with the zonta award zonta and if you want to see how much influence i've had on my sister let me tell you what zonta is it's an international group but the award stands for someone who stands for women's rights, advocates for equality, education, and end to child marriage and gender-based violence. Oh, Kiara. She's such a little rock star, I mean, she's isn't a little she? Fierce yes, female. Queen. Yeah. Kiara's amazing and just the quality of her person, and I'm very proud of her. And so I just I'm glad that we could appreciate yes, her. Yes, Queen. For a 
She's okay. awesome. Yeah. Let's go from one queen to another. Let's. Maybe one that's a bit more well known. Oh. Uh, does it matter? This week, I'm doing a woman who has been described as. Oh, the tension is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> she is an actress, director, producer, entrepreneur, TV personality, philanthropist, uh, and a billionaire. Is this the Lady Gaga meme? She's like, incredible. <laughs> Never seen before. Different every day. <laughs> it fits. It fits. Because I'm talking about none other than Oprah Winfrey. Oh, you got a car. You got a car. You, you get feminism. You get feminism. You get a podcast. You get a podcast. Woo! Oprah. Sorry. Oh, Let's, my God. I, I am getting comfortable. Can I tell you the amount of time this took to get together? Because <laughs> she's done so much. Oh, girl. So, Oprah Winfrey wasn't actually born Oprah. She was born Orpah, Gail Winfrey. And if we know Oprah's best friend's name, Gail. Yes. It was like it was written in the stars. So, Orpah was actually named after a biblical figure in the book of Ruth. And she got pronounced so many times wrong. People just couldn't get Orpah. They just kept saying Oprah. So, she was (laughs) like, you know what? Let's just work with that. Yeah. Her mum, Vanetta Lee, was a housemaid. And she was actually a teenager when Orpah was born. And her dad's name was Vernon Winfrey, and he was a coal miner, then turned barber, then turned city councilman, who'd also been in the armed forces. So he actually did pretty well for himself, but it all came from quite extreme poverty. Mm. And there are also rumors about who her father was, but like, not a, not her business, not our business. No, definitely not. So when she was born, she traveled north with her mum, and she spent six years of her life living in extreme rural poverty. Wow. Um, she actually lived with her grandma, Hattie May, and they lived on a farm. Oprah has reflected on this time and saying she was wearing potato sacks as dresses and she remembers the kids around her making fun of her, but that's all they had. They were really, really, really poor. Mm. While she may have been living below the poverty line, her grandma still taught her the most valuable skill of all, at least that's what she says, for her future. And by age three, Oprah had learned how to read. Age three? Yeah. Jesus. I know. Wow. I know. Her grandma took her to the local church and she got nicknamed the preacher because she could memorize and recite Bible verses as a literal toddler. What the heck? You'll get a verse. You'll get a verse. You'll get a verse. She's like a child prodigy. She literally was. Now she's a human prodigy. Totally. In 1991, Oprah, in an interview, said that her first Easter speech at church was made when she was just three years old and she sees it as the start of her success. Oh, duh. Love that. So as a child, she actually played games interviewing her corncob dolls because they couldn't afford dolls. They made corncob dolls. And she would <laughs> pretend to interview them like a journalist without that. even knowing what a journalist was. Do you know what's really embarrassing? What? You did the same thing. But not that, that young. What's wrong with that? Like not that long ago. But I used to pretend I was a TV host that will not be named. <laughs> Which TV host? Erin. Well, just our TV host. Oh, no, Ellen, but Ellen like just our TV host. Let's just say I... Erin DeGeneres. Host. Yeah, but I would pretend to be the TV host and the guest. Oh, I pre- I just pretended to be the guest. Oh, I, I was, was pretending to be both. I, I, I was both. Uh. I was both. I was like sitting on one seat and then running over and sitting on the other seat. And then I'd even do my like walkout wave. <laughs> finger guns like it Little was a dance. whole it, it was a complex i don't judge that because i used to get my cds and my tape recorder and i used to record songs off my cds and then record my voice being like and that was the latest one for britney spears uh hit you baby one more time like because i was little 
And I fully have radio shows of myself from when I was a kid. Iconic. And oh, I, that's what I do now. So, ha ha. Talissa, you thought you were a loser? Still a loser. No way. Making money no, from I it. I was one of the kids who just ran around the school grounds pretending to be a horse. So, I was obviously <laughs> way, way you ahead of you guys. I was girl. such a horse girl. I hated the horse girl. I know. We sucked. But Ugh. we were happy. Do you know what? We were happy. You were happy. We were happy. You we were free. Delusional. We were called Patch and Prancer. You know, like, you were everything was right. <laughs> So wholesome. Well, so wholesome. When my sister started high school, I was like, see that girl? She's a horse girl. Don't be friends with her. <laughs> Again, you're we a bitch. friends at school. You're no. a bitch. We wouldn't be friends at school, but that's okay. We're okay. friends now. You've stopped talking about horses, and that's the main thing. As a child, she played games interviewing her corn cop dolls and the crows who sat on the family's fence. So she was literally acting like a journalist as a, as a child. The crows. Um, well, not even probably being shown that. Oprah acknowledged her grandmother's influence and says that Hattie Mae had encouraged her to public speak and it gave her a really positive sense of self. And even though they came from poverty, it gave her a real pride in who she was and what she could do. Mm -hmm. And while her grandma did, again, teach her how to read, she was also very, very abusive. At age six, she'd endured three years of abuse at the hands of her grandmother and actually moved in with her mum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Her mum was said to be less supportive and encouraging than her grandma was, But to be fair, she was really young and working very long hours as a housekeeper to make ends meet. Her mum gave birth to Oprah's half-sister, Patricia, during this time, and it was a struggle for her mum to raise both the girls. So in 1962, her mum sent Oprah to live with her dad in Nashville. So she's been passed around three times. Yeah. No judgment. How how old did she say she is by this point? She is eight years old at this time. Yeah. Uh, And this is her third big move, not just to live with a different guardian or parent, but different town, even state at some times as well. So... Mm -hmm. Really tumultuous time as a kid. So her mum actually gave birth to a third daughter and put her up for adoption and she couldn't afford to raise another child. And Oprah didn't even know she had a sister until 2010. Whoa. Decades wow. later. Yeah. So April- and at first I feel like by her success at that point, you'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Get in line. I have heaps of sisters apparently. <laughs> they want my money. Mm. Um, Oprah lived with her dad for a very short time before she moved back with her mum and her mum had another baby, her half-brother Jeffrey. And again, tumultuous. She was nine years old when she was raped by a cousin. Then she was sexually molested by a family friend and then an uncle. Oh, my God. Oprah never told anyone at the time. And she, being so young, just started to accept that that was the way that life is. She just thought this was a normal part of life. Heartbreaking. Horrendous. And she revealed this in an episode of her TV show in 1986, skipping forward a little bit. She said that when she tried to talk to her family about the abuse years later, they refused to believe her, which is so fucked. Like, Mm -hmm. believe survivors, man. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. Just horrendous. In a 1991 interview, she said she took 27 years to release the shame from herself. She was doing an interview in 1990 with a woman who was severely abused as a child. And it was at age 36 she realized for the first time, oh, it's not my fault. Oh, wow. God. Yeah, she internalized it for that long. Oh, my God. Externally, Oprah. she... Yeah, I know. Oprah, you guys. I know. But it kind of goes against that. I, You know, there's that that narrative, I guess, that we're told that strong women don't get raped, that strong women don't... That you have to be weak for it to happen to you, but it's not the case. Like, nope. And it's not... You don't need to be weak to fall under that, that belief. Like, You don't it, have to be anything yeah. to be raped. And you don't have to be anything to believe that it was your no. fault. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, end that kind of myth around it. Exactly. And she had a lot of problems with that, like, that exact problem. So she said she externally could recognise that she wasn't responsible, but internally she couldn't come to terms with it. Even though intellectually I would say to other kids, I would speak to people and say, oh, the child is never to blame. You're never responsible for um, molestation in your life. 
I still believed I was responsible somehow. And um, just released it in the middle. And so it happened on the air. As so many th things happened for me. Happened on the air in the middle of somebody else's experience. And so I thought I was going to have a breakdown on television. And I said, you know, stop, stop. We've got to stop rolling cameras. And they didn't. And so I sort of got myself through it. But it was really quite traumatic for me. And this is someone who, like, is so profoundly open with her life mm. she speaks to how many psychologists on her show how many victims of uh, survivors i should say sorry of sexual abuse on her show and she couldn't come to terms with mm. it wow. and it's actually a very powerful tv moment to watch her realize that it wasn't her fault wow yeah so going back in time age 13 now um after suffering surviving years of abuse oprah decides to run away from home a year after running away Oprah actually described herself as a promiscuous teenager. Um, again, she was 14. She recognizes that as well as a consequence of her abuse. Yeah. Um, Oprah actually falls pregnant at 14 mm. and her son is born prematurely and passes away. Oh God. Yeah. Mm. It's one thing yeah. to carry a child at 14, but then to lose a child at 14. Mm -hmm. I mean, to lose a child at any age. I know. Who, oh god! A fourteen-year-old doesn't have the emotional. No one has, but no. especially not a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. And she describes this as a huge turning point for her. It's like this pivotal moment in her life. It's like a fork in the road opens up, and she can see that the path that she's on is not where she wants to be. And it's yeah. like this other path starts to become clear for her. And it's it's a horrible thing. You wouldn't wish it upon your worst enemy. Mm. It's also the but it's a moment of change catalyst in her yeah. life. Yeah. Huge. So Oprah begins going back to school. She goes to Lincoln High School in Milwaukee. She begins to exceed in her classes again. She's on the Upward Bound program, which was for gifted students. And she moves from her school to a school in an affluent neighborhood called the Nicolette High School. And I think based on her talents. Yes. Amazing. Not her money. She's still very poor, yeah. but they go, you've got something. Hello, We're going to move you child across. prodigy. Exactly. Cool. So despite her grades and how far she's come, Oprah was often reminded of how poor she was. And this is like a hundred levels of fucked up. She rode the bus with her fellow African-Americans who were servants of her classmates. Oh God. Servants, families of her classmates. Like she was literally would have to yeah. catch the bus to her poorer suburb where she lived with the servants of her class. Like what the fuck? Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, that, that threw me when I read that. I yeah. couldn't believe that was real. Doesn't surprise me. No, but no. it's just, it is. It's just like, yeah, it's sad, it's but it's not surprising. No, it's no. history. Yeah. It's, yeah. Insane. Oprah started to feel like she was being pulled between two worlds, the poverty that her family was experiencing and the comfortable life her school friends had. And she started to steal money from her mum to try and keep up with the kids at school. Mm -hmm. And I'm not 100% sure that that is true. She hasn't actually said that in any interviews or anything, but she does describe this pull in a couple of different interviews I watched. And Either way, she was sent to live with her dad in Nashville. Not sure if her mum kicked her out or she left. Vernon, her dad, was strict, but he was encouraging and had a real focus on her education. With her incredible brain and her dad's encouragement, she worked her way up to becoming an honours student and was even voted most popular at her high school. Yeah. Yes. Which was like a wealthy, mostly white school. Yeah. yeah she always Huge. wanted to be an actress, but her father was not a fan of that idea. He like you know when we talk about actress like in Mae West time it meant something different mm -hmm. like okay. an actress in Theodora's time it meant something different it's like her dad had held on to this old world idea of what actress yeah. meant and so he didn't want her to go down that avenue I think um, a lot of people still don't want their kids to be actors and actresses because it's just there's zero job security yeah. yeah not that there isn't work plenty of people are gainfully employed in the arts but 
it's, the, it's, it's not that, 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 that belief hasn't gone that concept is no. still very much there and like you made the thing like i want to be an actress oh you mean a barista <laughs> shut the fuck up so her dad was like no nah, you're not doing that so at age 17 oprah won the miss black tennessee beauty pageant Woo-hoo. and it captured the attention of a black radio station in the area called wvol and they actually hired her to do the news on a part-time basis while she was still at high school Awesome. Still at high school? Yeah. This girl has had like five lives in the space of Yeah, wait, I thought she graduated by now. She's 17. She enters the beauty contest. They see how well she speaks and they go, this kid has something. Let's get her. And they literally put her on air reading the news at 17. That's cool. And um, she actually tells this story of how she used to read the nightly news. And this is also later on when she gets her next job as well. And her dad was like, well, you got 12 o'clock curfew. And she's like, dad, I do the news at 1030. Like, what do you want me to do? It's like 12 o'clock, babe, 12 o'clock. And then her bulletin go even later sometimes. And she's like reading the 12 o'clock news. Oh, she's doing the night news. The night news. And her dad's like, 12 o'clock where are you she's like i'm literally on air bro like you can tell where i am <laughs> he was so strict on her obviously it worked to her favor so she was part of the speech team at her high school which i guess is like public speaking here and she got silver at a national speaking event which was an oratory contest yep a speaking contest i've written in brackets which <laughs> which earned her a full <laughs> there's there's so many little layers of deliciousness in that whole sentence there you know and the hand movement because <laughs> i had to google what oratory <laughs> we don't use it very often like it's not a word that you just use i've never used it i don't think i've ever used it either like i've read it but i haven't used it but it's just it's very funny continue okay so she earned she got silver at her oratory contest and earned her full scholarship to tennessee state university which is a historically black institution and in 1971 she studied communication so she's finally in college now okay just now just now also she was still working at the radio station and in 1973 oprah becomes the youngest news anchor and the first black female news anchor at a nashville tv station oh yeah as she tells it, she's been paid $22,000 a year, which would have been a lot less than her male counterparts who were all white. And she got wind that she was going to be fired because they thought they were paying her too much money just to read the news. So as all media bosses do, at least in my experience, I say, oh, you're so good at what you're doing, but we're just going to tweak it. Some. We're going to tweak it slightly. And um, you don't need a co-host. Doll. You're going to read your own news at 5.30 a.m., not 6 p.m. You all know much about TV? Not great. No one's listening or watching it. At 5.30. Yeah. So it was literally a demotion. Mm. So she isn't stoked about this and she decides it's also, time Also, to- early get up, 5.30, not for me. You guys do the breakfast radio. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm like, I'm fast four. asleep. What Actually, no, that's when then? the bird outside my window wakes me every morning, 5.30 a.m. I've already done one bulletin. One bulletin yeah. down by 5.30. God, could not do it. Anyway, so she does it and she's not happy about it. And she sees this as her failing at news. Um, She knew then she didn't want to stay in news, but she was just devastated and embarrassed because she'd never failed at anything before. Like despite all these hurdles she had to overcome, Mm. kind of things had gone her way and she'd been able to keep succeeding and succeeding. So it's her first time in her life she recognizes that she had a failure. But she actually in the future reflects on this and says she had to fail here to learn how to succeed and survive further. So she basically saw this as her failing the news. While she didn't get fired, she pretty much got pushed out of the role. And in 1976, she decided to leave that and take a job as the evening news co-anchor in Baltimore. Wow. But after breaking into tears when reporting on sad stories, she realized that hard news was not her forte. Instead, she signed for a stint on a local morning show. She felt like when she was doing news, she was putting it on. She felt like she was faking it. She would interview these people in tragedy Mm. and just have to 
be very professional and stick to the questions. And that just felt so unnatural for her. And she felt like she had to stay emotionless. And that was really tricky. So she started co-hosting a TV show filmed in Baltimore, Maryland, which is a chat show called people are talking. And she takes to it like a duck to water. She describes the transition onto the screen as seamless she says as soon as she started getting ready for the show, even the prep for the show, she knew that was where she was meant to be. It was talking. All it was, she says, was talking. And uh, she said that she felt like she was home. I love that. So naturally, the show became a big hit. Woo! And Winfrey actually stayed there for eight years and it was ratings gold. Winfrey Amazing. stayed there. I tried to mix it up. <laughs> I love that. 1983. Oprah moved to Chicago to host WSL's TV's morning show, AM Chicago. It was a low, low rated half hour TV show. And that was the beginning of the Oprah Winfrey show. The first ep aired on January 2nd, 1984. The show, which starred Oprah as the host, went from last place in the ratings to number one. Oh, I'm yes. picturing Just some like one movie month. montage, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Featuring amazing power suits. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. And then angry faces becoming like hopeful faces and then happy faces and Oprah's just like the same throughout it. It's like, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. But when in history, I mean, there may have been times, but it'd be very unlikely, has a show gone from last place to number one in 30 days. Wild. Yeah. So pretty No amazing. new show hosted by Oprah. <laughs> that's what. So it actually surpassed the ratings of a TV show called The Donahue Show. And this was, sorry to just go back to that. This was all down to her amazing, obviously she's an amazing person, Mm -hmm. but that, that real empathy. The relatability. The relatability, the empathy, a woman of color on television. I don't know. Like, I feel like it was obviously a whole lot of reasons, but she just, she's got the pizzazz. Yeah. And I'm going to touch on that in a second. So for the premiere, the producers tried to book Don Johnson, who is actually Dakota Johnson's dad. Fun fact. Uh, Fifty Shades Greystar, um, among other things, but let's be honest, that's their best work. So they tried to get him and they tried to bribe him with Don Perignon, okay. the champagne. Yeah. Champagne. Yes, I'm familiar. Uh, you probably, you can probably cr- just say champagne. Or... <laughs> I'm going to say Don Johnson wanted Don Perignon. Don Perignon. Don uh, champagne. Don wanted the Don. I've never sounded more bogan in my life. That's saying that. And a pair of rhinestone sunnies. Oh, <laughs> oh that is a vibe. <laughs> um, and uh, they tried really hard, but it didn't work. And so they were like, fuck, what are we going to do? You know what? Let's do what we do best. Let's just speak to everyday people about everyday stuff that we know. And her first episode was called How to Marry the Man or Woman of Your Choice. And she went around to the audience, like, asked if they were single, asked if they were seeing anyone, asked, you know, who they were interested in. Like, it was just, I actually watched some clips from it. It's just this, like, super relatable. Yeah. It was really cool. And back then, like, if you were on television or radio, you were otherworldly. And also you were like... Yeah, you were very together. You were not one of the people. You were up on the pedestal, professional, not one of the peasants below. She's literally out in the audience. Her first first segment is standing on the stairs of the audience. Amazing. And talking to a a woman there. Like, it's amazing. She got to speak from the heart and ask the questions that she wanted to. And this is the time, as I said before, she described being on TV as coming home. But this was like her space and what she was believe she was just built to do and she really was it went from this local tv show to a national syndicated show on september 8 1986 Mm -hmm. 
that's when her figures doubled Donahue's national audience. It became the number one daytime talk show in America. And it actually broke records as being the most watched TV show in American history. Woo! Wow. Daytime TV show, I should say. It was just her and a team of women in their early 30s yes. um, working together <laughs> as producers. And she said, we're just trying to figure it out. We've never done it. We just That's went with cool. our gut. Aren't we all good? just trying to figure it out? <laughs> yeah, we're literally recording on my bedroom floor. Yeah. With Relatable blankets screen screen We're just trying to figure it out. Out. We're all just trying to figure it's it baby, out. baby Oprah's. Totally. But sometimes we need an Oprah to help us. So Oprah, <laughs> Oprah was earning a lot more money than she had before, but she realized a team of producers around her weren't earning any more than they had when the show had started, mm-hmm. which didn't seem right to her. So she went into her big boss and said, <laughs> and I quote, the fuck? <laughs> That's what I've got in my notes. <laughs> and said, hey, uh, they said, they're a bunch of girls. What do they need more money for? And she was oh. like, um, mm-hmm. either oh. you pay them more or I sit down. And I'm not doing another episode of your TV show. Boom. Wow. I love that. I am the Oprah, Win- the Oprah Winfrey. Bitch. I am Winfrey. <laughs> See yeah. that? See that screen? Oprah Winfrey? That's me. Winfrey, comma, Oprah. <laughs> exactly. Oprah. Winfrey, not loose free. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, when she did. And uh, they started paying them all. Winfrey, not loose free. <laughs> that is amazing. It's actually not the first time she came up against um, the gender pay gap. Ooh, um, that that one of chestnut. her previous shows, she had a male, there were male co-hosts around her or male colleagues that had basically the same role as her. And she went in and she asked, "Hey, like, what the fuck? Why are they, why are they out earning me by so much?" And they said, "You're a woman." And she's like, "Mm-hmm." And she's like, "And they have families they need to support." And he's like, "So she's like, so what? Like." Why does that make them earn more? We do the same job. They're like, get out of the office. Like, you've got nowhere to, you've got no place yep. here. And so then all these years later, when she makes her own show, she's very freaking conscious mm-hmm. I of love making that. sure that the women around her and everyone around her is getting paid properly. So that's kind of cool. Women lifting women. Women lifting women. The show's put on 120 channels, has an audience of 10 million people. It grosses $125 million. 10 million people. That's like just... That's like two fifths of the Australian population. Ten million people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gross is 125 million by the end of its first year. Oprah receives 30 million in payment for the show. Mm-hmm. Time magazine wrote some amazing quotes about it. They said few people would have bet on Oprah Winfrey's swift rise to host the most popular talk show on TV. In a field dominated by white male, she's a black female of ample bulk. Don't know what that means. Ooh. As far as interviewers go, she's no match for Phil Donahue, which is the guy that she overtook. What she lacks in journalistic toughness, she makes for up in plain spoken curiosity, robust humor, and above all empathy. Goes on a lot more, but basically it says that she's not scared to, you know, get be upset in public and on, on TV if someone she's speaking to is saying something that's upsetting and she's not scared to hold back tears. She, you know, mm. she is herself and so vulnerably herself. And um, she, they describe the talk show as a group therapy session as well. Wow. Hells yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no such thing to me as an embarrassing moment. No such thing. If I tripped and fell, if my bra strap showed, if my slip fell off, if I fell flat on my face, there's no such thing as an embarrassing moment because I know that there is not a moment that I could possibly experience on the air that somebody else hasn't already experienced. Yeah, there's lots of other really cool things about, that are described about her. A TV columnist named Howard Rosenberg says she's a roundhouse, a full-course meal, big, brassy, loud, aggressive, hyper, laughable, lovable, soulful, tender, low-down, earthy, and hungry. Mm. And she knows the way... A full-course meal is the biggest compliment. I would love to be <laughs> yeah. that said about me, yeah. And uh, knows the way to fill Donahue's jugular. 
Bull. Ooh. Because he was just like, not, I don't know him. I didn't watch the show, but it sounds like. Well, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know him personally. <laughs> I mean, exactly. he's probably a nice guy. <laughs> he was this like stale old white man. Yeah. I really like the yeah. word jugular as well. Yeah. That's why I wanted to get to that quote. Oh. It's so good. It reminds me of um, Lion King. It's passionate. Call the jugular. You know, when they're Aunt <laughs> and Pumbaa fighting. Anyway. <laughs> So in 1988, she establishes the Harpo Studios, her name backwards. Backwards. Um, Oh, sorry. Hi, I'm just going to come out from the rock I've been under. No fucking way. (laughs) No? Harpo is, oh my, really? No. Do you know what? There's going to be people listening who are going to be like, I relate to Erin right now. I didn't even write that in my notes. I thought everyone would know. Well, sorry. Sorry, Erin. Sorry, Oprah. (laughs) Actually, no, I did write it in my notes. Oprah, spelled backwards in brackets. No, I get the ad, but I didn't know that it was a thing. Yeah, that's why she called it Harpo Studios. And she actually became only the third woman in entertainment history to have her own studio. Mary Pickford. I don't know this, but Lucille Ball was the other one. Yes. I love Lucy. I love her too. (laughs) Cool. So Flubby's important. And Lucille Ball is cool too. Yeah. Anyway, so by making her own production company, she gains ownership of the program from the ABC. So she's now in charge of the show. And uh, she makes more money from the syndication because obviously she was only getting thirty million before out of one hundred and twenty-five. Now her company takes all the revenue from it. Okay. Two years later, in nineteen ninety, a family member sells a story about her son, so her giving birth prematurely to her son as a teenager, to a paper, and basically everything about her young years, private or not, became public knowledge. She didn't let that stop her. In fact, that opened up more personal conversations that she could have on the show, but it Mm. did really impact her and she describes it as a massive betrayal. Yeah. Fair. Mm. So she was really groundbreaking. From segregating the audience by eye colour in 1992 to help people understand the experiences of racism to talking about her own childhood sexual abuse to how, you know, other things she'd experienced or her guests had experienced, she just opened up and was so personal and vulnerable and people fell so in love with her and felt so close to her and it seemed like she loved her audience and her community that she built as much as they loved her there was this real back and forth and it was very very powerful stuff also fun story in my high school PE class we did a lesson where they separated us by eye color and I was like such a little shit that I refused to open my eyes and move. Of course you were. So I was like, no, they're blue, sir. And he's like, no, they're not. They're brown. I was like, you don't, that's racist. You don't know that. Anyway, needless to say. Do you see Lucy and I not flinching at all with this story? Needless to say, I sat with the blue eye kids with very, very brown eye, one red eye, but brown eyes. (laughs) Wasn't red at the time. No, that's true. So in 94, talk shows became super trashy and exploitative and just tacky. Mm -hmm. And Oprah, I've actually got Winfrey written down again. Oprah was just like, we're not going to do that. We're not doing tabloid (laughs) topics. We'll get the big celebs in, Tom Cruise, et cetera. But we'll talk about things that actually matter to them. We're going to get Tom Cruise and we're going to get a couch and we're just going to (laughs) let magic happen. Bounce on Guys, just just go with me on this one. I know you can't see it, but I have a plan. It's going to be the most iconic moment It's going to be be one of the most viewed clips of all time. Do you guys know what he's jumping about? How much he loves Katie Holmes. So she didn't want to lose the respect of her viewers, so she didn't go tabloid, like I said, and it actually made her popularity 
go up even more. Woohoo! Yeah. She begins to use this show, as I said, for a platform to tell the stories of those we may have been ignoring as society um, and people that, that were just fascinating to help raise up those that she respected and loved. So really marginalized groups got to come on the show. And like, I remember as a kid, that's where my mom learned a lot about like, Oh really? Yeah. Like groups that were, you know, marginalized and not given much airtime. Like, that's cool. I think that's where she like, she probably cool. knew people who were gay, but like, that's where she got to like understand a bit more about the queer community. And I think that's really freaking cool. Very. Yeah. And it always came from this really respectful, uplifting, sharing of stories place. Very trusted place. And it was really cool. So she actually used her platform as well to promote some people who became household names. Rachel Ray. Oh, yeah. Who's reportedly Becky with the good hair. I did read a theory on that. I did hear that. (gasps) Really? I don't know that to be true. Mm. I don't know who Rachel Ray is, but I did read a theory. There was a few Beckys. Becky with the good hair. Someone said Taylor Swift was Becky, but we all know that's not not true. We know that's not true. No. I'm not Becky. So Rachel Ray got us out on TV with Oprah. And so did Dr. Phil, who appeared on 100 shows of Oprah's before getting his own TV show. Wow. That I think is under her network, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the network that I didn't know. Harpo. <laughs> Harpo. That's Harpo Studios. Oprah backwards. <laughs> so Oprah in 1989, going back a couple of years, Two. under her studio, she released a couple of different things. Okay. So she had a TV show called The Women of Brewster Place, which was a short spin-off of Brewster Place, if that means anything to our listeners. And she actually did some acting herself. We know that she's in The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has spoken at length about that role and she described it, acting at least, as you understand things about people that you could never imagine and going into that character that she played who was a slave was a really fucking powerful she did the her. film color purple yes yes not the stage performance no the film yeah. basically the color purple was a huge moment yeah. for her because she felt really it was a very important role and she was really like she got a whole heap of praise for that role as well one of her film endeavors under this company was the producer and an actor in the film selma do you guys remember that movie yeah about martin luther king jr's march from selma montgomery to alabama she was a huge like a pivotal figure in getting that movie made yes um, which obviously is a very important story she on her show popularized reading so she had oprah's book club not that reading wasn't popular but it made it kind of cool yeah she was yeah. a huge reader from when she was a little kid onwards obviously she's learning to read at three she probably got through a couple of books yeah so she really wanted to share her love of reading with more people so she created this book club they did um they had 70 books that were recommended over 15 years and it made some more obscure titles into bestsellers so she had a lot of power and she took a lot of responsibility in God, selecting the right books. imagine that imagine yeah. you're, you're just a newly published author and Oprah. it's handpicked by Oprah and it's just like dropped in yeah. to her followers. Another big part of a show was Oprah's favorite things. We all know the episode where it's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you We'll put that on the Instagram, yeah, of course. Totally. I've got two things. One of them is when I listened to that podcast that you recommended. Two dope two queens. queens. Two dope queens. So two I was like, two broke girls. No. <laughs> so two dope queens. They. The reason I got so into that was the first episode I ever listened to was the one of the hosts describing her first time at a Beyonce concert. And she her described, first time at a Beyonce concert. Yes. And she described the feeling as her vagina flying off and going like Oprah around the room going, ah! fully understand that i love that podcast it was it's a really good part i don't think they're still making no i don't think they are they're too busy they're like 
successful <laughs> so actresses successful. and comedians. They've got other things well, to do fine. now. Yeah. But also with the car thing, fun fact, so she gave the cars, not the best, um, gift because everyone had to pay taxes on them. Oh. And if you didn't go there expecting to pay taxes on a car, not the best. There's always fine print. Yeah. She basically had made a decision in 2008 that 2011 was going to be her last year. So it was at that time. Of the show. Last year of the show. The Oprah Yes. It was one of the longest running daytime TV talk shows in history. It had received 46 daytime Emmy Awards. Wow. And in 2000, she's like, I think that's enough. So she stopped putting herself up. So there's 11 years of TV there that she didn't put herself forward for an award. Girl. I know. Girl. I know. We obviously know that she has O Magazine, which is another big thing that she's done. The Oprah Winfrey podcast. Yes, That's why I thought it was so funny when you said that it was, that you were doing an episode on Oprah early on today, because I was like, oh God, that's so much effort. She literally has a magazine dedicated to her, like with new information coming out every what month or so and how do you summarize someone who has a magazine that comes out every month dedicated to her i'm just skimming the top but it's not (laughs) but the magazine isn't just about her but she's on the cover of all of them isn't she yeah but i think it's about it's not like hi guys welcome to what i've done this week this is what i had for lunch i don't know maybe i've got to start subscribing yeah yeah can we get that up and running oprah yes please oprah's life class um is a multi-platform thing where millions of students from over 200 countries around the world engage with Oprah through classes, through social media. Um, she handpicks experts and then gets them to do like presentations to classes as well. So that's a huge resource that she's created. What else has she done? Great question. Well, she's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking. So she's known as being a philanthropist and she donates a lot of her money <laughs> to many charities and foundations. But aside from giving her money to outside organizations, she actually has made her own charities that she runs and financially contributes to. So she's got the Angel Network, which is focused on getting heaps of people involved in the cause. And it collects millions of dollars in donations and provides grants that concentrate on Winfrey's charitable initiative. So that's where she earns all the money that she then disperses to a number of charities. Mm -hmm. Um, The Oprah Winfrey Foundation focused on getting funds for the Leadership Academy for Girls. It's actually reported that she supports 23 charities in total every year, constant donations. Obviously, there'd be other stuff here and there, but they're her main 23. Casual. In 2007, the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls was opened and it's the a girls only boarding school in Johannesburg, South Africa. And it was inspired by a trip she took to South Africa and basically gets girls who are in coming from impoverished backgrounds into education and getting them really excited about leadership in their own communities. Awesome. Yeah. So every student from the first graduating class of 72 earned a full college scholarship the Sick. school has continued to maintain a 100% graduation rate, which Oof, is huge. That is yeah, huge. Wow. Yes. And, um, I don't even think we have that here. We don't. We absolutely <laughs> don't. Jesus. Many of the girls going on to college and basically her thought behind this and locals thought behind this as well was they'll go, they'll get educated, they'll learn leadership skills and they'll take them back to their communities where they can inspire the next group of girls to go through as cool. well. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, man. Lifting women. Boop, boop, boop. We, didn't, we didn't honestly need a theme song for that. Um, she's a, a bit of a greenie too, fun fact. Um, yes, she, hello. Do, do follow her on Instagram. She's always in a flowy dress with a yeah. giant basket full of her. And a big hat. 
of veggies from her patch. And apparently she uh, has a farm on the island of Maui in Hawaii. Oh, dreamy. All that. produce grown on the island is donated locally. And um, she has future plans to make more farms on the Hawaiian islands. That is such goals. I know, but a company called Biological Capital was hired to build the farm using regenerative agriculture. So basically trying to make it as sustainable as possible. And she donates it all to charities and restaurants in the local area. You cool. get a pineapple. You get a pineapple. <laughs> you um, get pineapple. <laughs> uh, there's so much more, guys. This is just the top the top of the Obviously. sections. Go go on the deep dive like I did the last mm-hmm. couple of days. Go down an Oprah hole. Oh, subscribe Ooh, to the magazine. Yes. yes, she was inducted into the NAACP Hall of Fame in two thousand and five. She received an honorary doctorate, doctorate from Harvard University for a law degree, and that same year. Hang on, she what? Re- she has a doctorate in she law. Got an honorary doctorate. Oh, an honorary doctorate. Yeah, she didn't actually go in to- law. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Don't ask questions. It's Oprah. (laughs) And that same year, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom by none other than our man, Barack, Barack, Barack Obama. Sorry. 1993, (laughs) um, the National Child Protection Act was passed in 1993. Great year. It became formally known as the Oprah Bill because of her involvement in getting it legislated. So the purpose of the bill was to establish a nationwide database of all indictments and convictions on child abuse and sex offence charges, violent crimes, arson and felony drug crashes. So now, charges I should say, now there is a list of the people who have committed those offences. So if they go to volunteer at a children's charity or they go to do mm-hmm. work at a school, you can check this list and make sure these kids are being kept safe by people who have been convicted so, yeah. of these crimes. Okay, so... Oprah Bill. Does America have a Working with Children's Act? I know we do here. Yeah. Don't know. May Is that like their version? I it's, think it kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Like got to get that the, the yeah. check. Yeah. Because like we have to get, if you're going to work with children or have anything to do with a child, you have to have a Working with Children's number, mm-hmm. which requires you to have a background check. Yeah. I know that there has been issues with that system in the past, but I don't know if America does. Interesting. <laughs> As I said at the start, Oprah Winfrey is an actress, a director, producer, entrepreneur, TV personality, philanthropist, and she has an estimated net worth of $3.2 billion. Wowie. And it becomes even more mind-blowing when you realize that she was a little girl who grew up in such poverty. Insane. As a self-made billionaire, she's the second richest African-American in America. In rankings from Forbes, she comes in on the Forbes 400, ranking 211 of the least of wealthiest people in the world. On Forbes' list of America's self-made women, she comes in at number five. And she was just 34 when she first had, when she was first worth over $340 million. So from how old she's, from 34 to now, she's made $3.2 billion. So obviously she's an incredible businesswoman on top of yeah. it all. While still giving tons to charity. Mm-hmm. Tons. Yeah. So she is so incredible. And there are so many more things I could say about her and have touched on. This is just skimming the surface of Oprah. But what would she's incredible. You, what would you say is your favourite Oprah moment of history? Mine is the photo shoot she did and she's dancing and not dancing. It's such a vibe. I have three. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. One is when they did an interview with her recently. I feel like it was like a BuzzFeed kind of interview. 
it may not have been BuzzFeed. And they said, what is the most relatable normal person thing you've done recently? And she couldn't think of anything. Like, oh, have you been <laughs> shopping at the supermarket? She's like, what's a supermarket? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Obviously, she's accumulated a lot of wealth. And uh, she said, oh, oh, uh, I had to go pick my own avocado the other day. And they're like, Oprah, no one has avocado <laughs> trees at their house. What's wrong with you? No it one was, has people to pick their avocado trees. It was <laughs> very funny. Yeah. The second thing was when she felt like she'd made it was when she was working at the Oprah show and she works, she, I was listening to this podcast. She works like 16 hour days. She was like crazy yeah, mm-hmm, hours to do this show and to bring it together. And every night she would go home and she'd pour herself a bubble bath. But not only that, she'd empty a whole container of bubble bath. I remember reading this. Into the bath. Yeah. And that was her like one thing she did for herself. And that to me is like the epitome of luxury. Oofed. Yes. Yeah. And my third favorite is what I already touched on, which is when she went into bat for the producers around her because producing is a tough gig mm-hmm. and producers not being in the limelight sometimes get left behind when it comes to pay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's fair enough, but sometimes they get left behind. So I think and they do a fucking, lot of I know, work. They make her look good. She couldn't have done it without them. Always. And are. I fucking love that she went in and went into bat for these cool producers. Nice. Yeah. She yeah. is the mother I never had. <laughs> the, 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 what's, Love what's you, the mom. No, what's the, what's the quote though? She's like, and she's tearing up. She's looking to the distance. And she's like, Gail. I think so. She is the mother I never had. She is the sister everybody would want. She is the friend that everybody deserves. Is that your moment? I, yeah, that's my moment. And Quincy Jones, fun fact, saw her on the TV and said that she was going to be a big star and helped her in some of the jobs that she had. She knew she was going to be a star the minute she got that reading on Easter. She, she was like, I'm sorry. told yeah. her speech coach when she was a kid that she was going to be discovered and be a star and her teacher laughed at her <laughs> and it happened. As they all do. Who's laughing now? 3.4 billion? Boom. Roasted. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Oprah. <laughs> That was incredible, obviously. It's Oprah. I mean, you could have literally just opened the episode with Oprah and then closed the episode (laughs) and it would have been fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I wanted to find things that people don't talk about often. Of course. We all see her success, but I wanted to get into like little pockets of her life that maybe don't get the light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you did. It was really interesting because you kind of sort of think that you know a lot about her, but there was... I had no idea about her career in Troubles at the beginning in her career. I had no idea. Kind of, yeah. Mm. Nice to put it all into context. Amazing. As always, thank you for tuning in for another amazing episode of Fierce Females of History. I know, amazing, whatever. I'm biased. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook, Fierce Females of History. Email us at fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. Make sure you scroll down and give us a rating. We've got, uh, we had a new one this week. A new rating, five out of five. Thank you very much to whoever you were. It's a weird code name. Did I don't we? Know. Yeah. Anyway, Thanks, weird just code this name. week. So thank you. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it um Elon Musk's little baby? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would so fangirl. <laughs> it looks like that. <laughs> Definitely spam. So thank you. It's not spam. It's I'll take it. Back. Scroll down and do it again. Share it. Take a <laughs> screenshot. Share it with your friends. And don't forget, we're still doing the Share the Dignity. It's in the bag campaign. Yes, it's on until the 29th of November. All you need to do is dig through your wardrobe for that bag you do not use or go to your local op shop and buy mm-hmm. one like we did and fill it with all the essential items for periods and self-care, you know, shampoo, conditioner, pads, tampons. 
Exactly. All the details on our socials, obviously. Or, and this one is actually the easiest one yet, guys. I think you'll be pleased. Just send us an email, send us an Instagram, but the secret here, and you can actually do this, so I expect you to do it. Just write it all backwards. <laughs> <laughs>